Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. This is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle. It's now time to wrap up our series exploring the Filipino influence on Seattle's hip-hop scene. KEXP's Gabriel Chiojos has this profile of DJ Nasty Ness. Nasty Ness Rodriguez is a bona fide legend. He's a Seattle hip-hop trailblazer, the DJ who hosted the first all-rap radio show west of the Mississippi, the man behind Sir Mix-A-Lot, and the voice from Seattle you may have heard on Easy es first LP. Hello, y'all on the air. Hey, what's up? This is Nasty Ness calling from Seattle. Hey, what's happening, homeboy? I'm calling to be on Easy es new record, radio. Born in Okinawa, he moved to the Philippines and then to Seattle in 1970 at age 10. During the summer, his mother would send him to stay with his older sister who was attending college in New York City, which would prove life-changing for a young Ness. And that's where I first went to my first radio station with my sister. And all the DJs that worked there, to me, were like movie stars. And I was like 16 years old. And I was like, wow, man, I, I want to do this for a living. Ness lived in Yesler Terrace, just blocks from Seattle Central District a historically black neighborhood where a storied jazz scene once thrived. It's where Quincy Jones and Jimi Hendrix went to high school and just blocks from where Bruce Lee had his first job. Bruce Lee passed away in 1973, and that's when I started martial arts at his school. Ness said he doesn't remember there being any other Filipinos in his neighborhood. The only Asians that were near me uh, was literally maybe two, three blocks up from me. And it was a restaurant called Ruby Chow. We love Chinese food, so we would walk to Ruby Chow's, not knowing that uh, that's where Bruce Lee used to work as a busboy. When Ness was in his late teens, he started studying radio at Bellevue Community College and fell in love. He said being on the radio and taking requests from listeners made him feel like a star. Growing up, you know, I had such a low self-esteem and, and I used to be bullied and made fun of a lot, but I always wanted to be somebody. And to my mom, she didn't think, or my dad didn't think I was going to do well in my life. You know, they thought maybe I'll probably end up in jail for the rest of my life or something like that. And because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I, I didn't like going to school. But when I went to Bellevue Community College, uh, the elective course, which was communications, that was the only ones I got straight A's in. Nasty Ness will go on to host the West Coast's first all-rap radio show, Fresh Tracks, on Seattle station KFOX 1250 AM. I was just blessed to get a job right in the heart of Seattle. And so I would work any hours, any time they need me. And uh, they said, uh, well, we want to do a show called Fresh Tracks. So mm-hmm. the idea behind Fresh Tracks was uh, I play for two hours all the brand new stuff. There wasn't a lot of rap yet, but uh, it started as a new music show. Mm-hmm. And then when I started playing rap, I noticed uh, I kept getting a lot of calls more calls requests to hear rap music and then then my my boss said yeah you know what uh go ahead play what you feel will work and you know i i I love rap so much you know and a lot of people didn't like it well they liked it but they thought it was a fad like it's gonna come and go but i didn't i i really believed and i said and i even wrote it down somewhere i said 20 years from now in 1980 20 years from now people are going to be making a living off of it 
I didn't think I was going to be making a living off it, but people will be. And it yeah. came true, you know. Um, so it ended up turning into slowly. I kept sneaking more hip hop in, more hip hop in. And then when people, record labels like Def Jam, started realizing that I'm the guy in Seattle that will play their records because a lot of radio stations still were hesitant to play rap. And then as rap started getting popular at the radio stations, people were sending me records. There were tons of rap records back then, mm -hmm. unknown name artists. Everybody thought they were a rapper. So I got tons of rap records and I would play them, even if they didn't sound good, if it <laughs> rhymed, I would play it, you know, and yeah. people liked it. And then when the ratings came out, the Arbit it was called Arbitron Ratings on an AM station, mind you, I had the number one ratings. And my boss was tripping out like, God, this is a new guy we hired. And he's got the number one ratings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. For so for younger listeners right now who, you know, this is this is a time when there's no internet. This is you know what I mean? Like None. you had to actually go to a record store or a concert or tune into the radio to hear new music, you know? And and magazines were a big a big deal at that point as well. Yeah. So for you to have a radio show focused on hip hop in that era, it was it was a bigger deal than I think young folks would really realize right now. Um, and you you had the first rap show on the West Coast, west of the Rockies, right? Yeah, yes, so man, yeah, and yeah. you know, uh, I didn't I didn't plan on being the guy being the first one, and especially being Filipino and Asian guy. Yeah. Uh, being the first one, but kind of happened that way. You know, I just, I just did something I really liked. My boss was a little bit hesitant, like, should we still play it? And I just told my girl, you know, I really, I really, really believed in this music. Yeah. And I, and especially when Mix a Lot came around, and then I started playing his music on my show. Mm -hmm. And that's when my ratings really went higher, mm. and uh, people started requesting his songs during the weekdays when we didn't play rap. Uh, more than you would request a Michael Jackson or a Madonna song. Okay. People were requesting mix a lot. And that kind of made me think, wow, I think I stumbled across something even bigger is, is this guy, Sir Mix-a-Lot. In the early 1980s, Nasty Ness got a call on the request line for his radio show. It was an old acquaintance from high school named Anthony Ray, who now goes by the stage name Sir Mix-a-Lot. He said his name was Anthony Ray, the computerized DJ. And uh, he said he's a rap rapper out of, uh, I think, Rainier Beach. Yeah, that's where he stayed. You know, cause I remember going to his house in the projects. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought he was a guy flapping his gums because uh, hip hop rappers only really came from New York. You know, you never hear of anyone in Seattle. Mix invited Ness to a show of his at the Boys and Girls Club in Seattle Central District. Ness went and liked what he heard, so he started playing his music on the radio. And at that time, no one was playing local music on the radio. So Mixlot was really the first guy who played a whole song by him. Later on, Nasty Ness and Sir Mixlot started a record label together called Nasty Mix Records. And then we had to think of a name. And I go, well, why don't we use my name and Mix's name and call it Nasty Mix? So that that's how it happened. I think that was right, 80, 1983, 84 is when the concept came about. Nasty Mix was completely independent, coming straight out of Seattle. And then next thing I know, more people start playing it, more people start playing it. And the more people start playing it, the more records we sold. 
And then, then we, I, got, I couldn't believe we went gold and platinum coming out of Seattle. In the midst of all this, people still thought rap was a fad. K-Fox fired Nasty Ness and canceled his show. But I was really depressed because that was my love. I didn't know what I was going to do anymore. I didn't know how I was going to pay my apartment rent anymore. I was like, you know, that was, that was income. Shortly after that firing, Don Yates, who is now KXP's music director, gave Ness a call. KXP was called KCMU back in the day, and Don offered Ness a show. Here's how Ness recalls that conversation. He goes, well, you know, I, I know you don't have a show anymore. And I go, yeah. I go, well, let me ask you this, uh, Nasty Ness. Uh, how would you like to take your show to KCMU? And you'll be on the FM for two hours, and you can do whatever you want to do. And I go, wow, an FM station. And I say, man, yes, yes, yes. And with that... In 1988, one of rap's golden eras, Ness brought his show to KCMU on the FM dial. He changed the name of the show to Rap Attack, and the show quickly became a local institution and a necessary stop for any hip-hop acts coming through Seattle. The next thing I know, rappers started flying to Seattle to perform, and they would always come to KCMU and do interviews, Pete Rock, CL Smooth, you name it, Third Base, they all came up to the show, even a uh, Nirvana's guy, uh, Chris Novoselic, he would come up to the show because he loved listening to the show. And uh, it was cool. On, on Sunday nights, it would be packed at the race. Everyone would come be there and visit me. And I remember the Source magazine rolling through, and they were in the parking lot. We took pictures, and they did a feature on me and the show. And, uh, yeah, with, with KCMU, you know, a small station. As with any success in the entertainment field, eventually other opportunities called. In 1998, Nasty Ness called it a night on Seattle radio and moved to Los Angeles to work for Hits Magazine. And that was kind of comparable to working for Billboard Magazine. And I would be the rap editor. So I took I took a chance. I, I, man, I cried when the plane took off, leaving Seattle. I mean, I literally cried. And uh, But it was the best decision I, I made. Uh, I, I miss living in Seattle, but I, I felt like I did all I could up there. And uh, I wanted to open a bigger door and see if I can do more. And that's what I did. It's impossible to overstate the impact nastiness had on hip-hop culture in Seattle and on hip-hop radio on the West Coast and in general. If you've ever picked up a mic, touched a turntable, or been on the air here in Seattle, just know that you owe a debt to one crazy Pinoy. I'm Gabriel Teodros, and this is Sound and Vision. And that concludes our series, Filipino Hip Hop 206, which featured just some of the many Filipinos who have impacted our local hip hop scene. Thanks to Gabriel, Mike Ramos, Larry Mizell Jr., and Tia Ho for their help with this series. If you've liked what you've heard, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. KXP is a non-commercial station, and we rely on listener support to do what we do. Please consider a one-time $20 donation to support this show at kexp.org sound. Thanks for listening.